why that would be. All right, so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 53. As Jamie was leading us this morning, well, and as you guys have been, been read, reading through Isaiah, man, there's, some, uh, there's just some really incredible themes that happen in the book of Isaiah, but you can't, we can't get through Isaiah without speaking about one of these themes that he has today, and it's really just two or three chapters where we see this, but um, this is, uh, what we're reading today is a, is a part that really starts in Isaiah chapter, at the end of chapter 30, 52, um, and uh, into, then into uh, chapter 53, but um, this is a section that's called the suffering servant, and basically what this is is a, a foretelling or a prophesying, prophesying of uh, Jesus um, and what he would do and how God would use his, his, uh, his death in bringing about the forgiveness of sins. Really incredible. Boy, there is no prophet who God had given this kind of revelation about the suffering and the purpose of Christ's suffering. Uh, boy, no one else got it this clear from the Lord God, but uh, man, Isaiah did. And it is, it's kind of startling, actually, how much detail is here and how much this is almost, um, this is almost it reads in such incredible detail about what would happen with the Lord Jesus and his suffering. It's almost like it was written uh, right after the fact, but actually this was written 700 years or so before Christ's birth even. And uh, the other thing that's in here that's, that's going to be shocking to you, you're going to read about, you, what you're going to hear in this is that one of the things that he's going to say is he's going to say that, that the, this suffering servant, who isn't named here, but he's just, called the, the, he's just called God's servant, is going to suffer, and his suffering would bring peace and healing and forgiveness and a taking away of sin for, for uh, God's people which is really a, a kind of a shocking thing, right? This is, this is back in the days of the Old Testament sacrifice. This is, these are back in the days where, um, where animal sacrifice, right? Where the sacrificing of lambs and rams and, and, uh, and, and goats and, and dove, where those things were what took away or covered over the sins of people. For him to say, my servant is going to suffer and his suffering will take away the sins of his people would have been really, I think, pretty shocking for the people of Israel to hear but of course, we know what's happening here is that the Old Testament and the Old Testament sacrificial system was just a, a placeholder until the real thing that was Jesus Christ could come. It, it was just a shadow of what was going to come. It was just a, a foretelling and a shadowing for us to be able to look at and, and to get a greater understanding of what Jesus did and what his death would mean. Um, God set up this, the Old Testament sacrificial system so that we could get through and he would say, now the ultimate sacrifice has come. Uh, on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, boy, as you, as you read through here, well, actually, let's just take a moment and pray together. Um, you know, these are familiar scriptures to us, and uh, it's easy to just, just get caught up in the, in the, uh, in the, the oh, redundancy, I guess, of, of hearing this story over and over again. But, boy, be amazed at this. Be amazed at what the Lord's doing. May the Spirit give us a, a, um, a new view, a new understanding and perspective on, on His Word this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we cover these, Lord, these sacred scriptures that you gave to your servant Isaiah uh, 2,700 years ago, Father, um, boy, I, I pray this morning that you would open up our eyes and our ears to hear, Father, from your word. I pray that you would, you would just uh, set us anew, Father, on, on what this means, what, what you've done on our behalf. And Lord, I pray, just give us a, a greater canvas to, to capture and understand what all you've done for us, because, Father, it is so big and so involved and, and so moving, Lord God. It's, it's uh, hard for us to understand. It's, it's just almost impossible for us to grasp. 
um, except that you make revelation for us and you help us to understand. So would you come, Lord God, would you send your Holy Spirit, your spirit of wisdom and understanding to teach us from your word this morning? It's in Jesus' great name we pray, amen. So in Isaiah chapter 53, please, we're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to read, going to, going to read this, this whole short chapter. And I'll take some breaks in here as we go through it, and then we'll flip over to, to, to Hebrews here for, in just a moment. But anyway, here we go. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Okay, what's this talking about? This is talking about, this is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ growing up and growing up before the Lord, basically saying that, that the Lord is going to watch him and see him and reveal himself to him and that this suffering servant that we're going to read about here in just a moment, this servant of God is going to grow up before the Lord, but there's not going to be anything that special about him. There's not going to be anything that the world would look at and say, Hey, this, this kid's special. Hey, this kid's smart. Hey, this kid's attractive. Hey, this kid's something else. In fact, it would be quite the opposite. Um, he would be despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, um, a man like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and I hate this how this ends in verse 3, and we esteemed him not. Right? So all things about the Lord Jesus Christ, there was nothing spectacular about him except for, you know, who he was and what he was going to do. But the world looked at him and saw nothing special, right? Saw nothing special. As a matter of fact, saw a lot of reason to be upset and angry with him and to despise and to hate him. Uh, pretty incredible, isn't it? The Lord God, the, the creator of all the universe comes down to earth and people's response, unimpressed, right? Terrible, lost in sin, blind, aren't we? Okay, verse four. Surely, now here we go. Here we go. Listen to what it says. Listen to what it's going to. Listen to what it's going to say about how he takes up and carries and bears for us. That he works for us. He, in verse four, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I think, that, I think this would have been shocking for the Israelites to hear, that, that a person receives the iniquity or, or bears under the iniquity and the sin and the infirmity and carries that for someone else. But that's what he's saying here is that just like in that Old Testament, just like they would place the hands upon the lamb that they were going to, trans, that they were going to, to slaughter there before the temple, and there, there would be a transfer of that guilt and a transfer of that sin upon that animal, and then the animal lost his life on behalf of the family that he represented or the individual that he represented. It is just that way where there's a transfer of sin that is carried then by this offering who would be the suffering servant from Isaiah. Uh, pretty incredible and just telling. And, and, you know, God does this for us over and over again, but so that you and I could understand better the, the scope of what Jesus did for us. He brought up the sacrificial system so that we, when you and I read these words, we have images in our mind that has already been built in the Old Testament about this transfer of guilt, of the guilty upon the innocent, right? So that he could give you a picture of what it would be like for the Lord Jesus Christ, the innocent one who took on and bore the sins of all of mankind so that our sins could be taken away by his death and sacrifice. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? 
Absolutely amazing. Okay. There's one other thing I want to point out just while we're here really quickly, and that is back just a little bit in, uh, where is it, about 46? Let me find it. Yeah, in 46, this is really fascinating. I didn't, this isn't up on the screen. I just, have, just want to point this out to you really quickly. Um, Isaiah 46, just look there real quick with me. He, he's going to talk about the difference between God and idols, and he's going to say Bel is one of the Babylonian uh, false gods, one of the Babylonian idols, and Nebo also, I believe, is Babylonian. Um, yeah, Babylonian. Bel bows, bows down. Nebo stoops low. Listen to what it says. Listen, what, tell me the feeling that you're getting from, from these idols. Their idols are borne by beasts of burden. Their images are carried are about are burdensome. A burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden. They themselves go off into captivity. What, what's a picture that you get about these idols? They're weighty. They're a burden for the people who carry them. And then look with me and, and hear about what it says about the Lord. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, um, all who remain in the house of Israel, whom I have what I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth, even to your old age and gray hairs. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. So you see the idols that are a burden, and they're stooping, and they're low, and they're bowing. And then you see the Lord God who's upholding and carrying and sustaining and rescuing. You see the picture there that Isaiah is painting between, uh, between those idols, those false idols, and our gods. And so we get over in Isaiah chapter 53, and here again he's talking about not us carrying this suffering servant, not us carrying the Lord, but the Lord carrying us and carrying our burden, carrying the burden of our sin. This is one of, the, one of the great themes of Isaiah is that we have a God who's willing to carry the burdens of his people. Amazing, isn't it? Like no other God, right? In all other religions, it is, it is, it is the people who have to carry the burden of worship of his people, but not in, not in Christianity. That is not the God we have. So, so here we go. Uh, the next uh, slide there. Jesus bore our sin and brokenness and brought us peace and healing by his suffering. What I want to do today is just I want to point out to you some of these aspects about what does it mean that Jesus suffered? What was God's purpose behind his suffering? And the first one here is that um, by his suffering, he bore our sin and our brokenness and brought us peace and healing uh, through verse 6. Now in verse 7, if you would, we're going to breeze through these pretty quickly. Um, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. You remember when Jesus was accused and was being tr- taken to trial, and, and uh, even there before Pilate and some of the other rulers, uh, he wouldn't speak in his own defense, right? Just right here, just, just like this. Um, By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. Verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. So how about that? So that's all talking about how Jesus would be sinless, perfect, and yet he would suffer as though he were wicked. Yeah. Okay, and cut off and had no, no descendants, right? Because Jesus was, was cut off in his prime uh, right at the age of 30, 33. In verse 10 then, yet it, listen to this, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And the Lord makes his life a guilt offering. He will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life. 
and be satisfied. How about that? So talking about his death, but then also referring here a, a foreshadowing of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors, for, for the transgressors. There we go. How about that? So, yeah, so here lastly, the, the Jesus suffering, he bore our sin and our brokenness and brought us healing and peace. But then also Jesus suffering was God's offering. How about this? You ever thought about this? So what, what Isaiah is saying here is that, right, the Old Testament people would come and they would bring their offering to the temple. They would bring money. They would bring sacrifices. But in the scriptures here, it says that, but God came and he made an offering. And it was a guilt offering that he brought, not because of his sin, but on behalf of us. And he brought the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ, provided the very best that he had, right, to be a guilt offering for us, right? So that Jesus would, that guilt offering, that's purpose was to remove the guilt of those for whom the sacrifice was made. He became a guilt offering for us. And God came with, us, with, with, us, with that offering for himself. Um, incredible. God, yeah, so he was God's offering for us to take away our guilt. Just incredible. Now, we know this, and, and I, can't, I can't stress to you how important this is. This is the gospel, right? That God sent his innocent son to take away your sin and guilt. And if you have faith in him, he will take away your guilt and your sin, and you can be restored in your relationship with the Father forever. Amen? That, well, that's the gospel simply, isn't it? Man, and, and we, you know, we, can't, we get caught up in our lives all the time, but you can't spend enough time uh, uh, meditating on that truth. You can't spend enough time being there with the Lord in your quiet time, in your space, and wherever at you're at in the Scripture, God's plan of redemption and salvation is probably there. You're going to be reading about this, right, in your quiet times, just to take and to ponder and to ask the Lord, Take this deeper. Let this, be, let, the, let this go deeper in my mind and my heart. Let it change my life because this is life-changing. Amen? There is no story. Uh, there, is no, uh, there is nothing like this in all the planet and all the universe. There is no truth that is greater than this, that God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, is forgiving sins. Uh, just incredible. And restoring our relationship with him. Uh, so, boy, spend time there. But that's not where I want to stop today. I want to just share, share, share you a couple of other things that Jesus' suffering did for us. And so here we go. So Jesus' suffering was, uh, was not only to pay the penalty for our sins, Jesus also suffered to provide an example for us for when we suffer, right? Over in 1 Peter um, chapter 2, Peter's talking to, let me tell you the context, Peter's talking to slaves, and he's telling these slaves, he's saying, now when you suffer, be like Jesus. And what he's talking about suffering here, he's saying, when you're beaten by your master, be like the Lord Jesus and humbly, humbly take it. How about that? Isn't that shocking? Um, now, there are a lot of other places where we can read about how it's not like the Lord's condoning violence here. It's not like the Lord's condoning abuse here. But what he's saying is he's telling them to suffer like the Lord Jesus suffered. And he'll say, you know, if you suffer for doing wrong, there's no benefit. If you suffer for doing right, there's benefit because you're being like the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, he says some just startling things. Matter of fact, there's some things you're not going to want to hear here. You ready for this? Okay. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. To this, and he's talking in the context of suffering, okay? To this suffering you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. 
I, I tell you what you hate about this and what I hate about this is what he's saying here is that we as believers are called by God to suffer. Now, I know they don't speak about that in the prosperity church. I know they don't talk about this in the health and wealth church. But I, I just, you know, find someone in the scriptures who didn't suffer and I'll agree with them. You know what I mean? And I'll agree that all God really wants is for you to be happy in your marriage and happy with you and, and rich and wealthy and to, you know, promote your way all the way to the top of, of, your, of the, the place that you work. And, and that's all God really wants for you in this life. That, well, that's just not... That's just not the case. He's got something much more meaningful than all of this stuff that we have here on this planet. Amen? There is something much better than all of this. Amen? It's coming. Lord, hasten the day. I'm ready for it. All right. Um, and so, yeah, listen to what he says. So, to this suffering, you were called because Christ suffered for you. See, there's kind of an unwritten understanding of the New Testament and the Old and it's built on the New Testament that because Jesus Christ suffered that the people would, who follow him would suffer. Yeah. You like that? You love that? You know, and, and here's the deal. Here's the thing that worries me a little bit is that this, this mindset of the, of the health and wealth or the prosperity gospel infects us all a little bit, right? When something goes wrong in our lives, when the car breaks down, when, when, when the plumbing's backed up, these are fresh on my mind because we cars broken down, the plumbing's backed up. But anyway, or, or your children are suffering, or when your, your parents are struggling, or when you're struggling in your marriage, or you're struggling in relationships, or you're being persecuted at work because of your beliefs, or, or whatever, you, the first thing we all think of is, Lord, where are you? Right? Lord, why would you let these things happen to us? Lord, why wouldn't you protect me from these things? The truth is, here again, and, and the Scripture bears it out, every life, every person who followed the Lord in all of the Scriptures Every one of them suffered. Every one. There's no exception. I know we would like to be the exception. Pardon me for that. I know we would love to be the exception, but we're not. There's going to be suffering for us. But here's the deal. In the life of believer, in the life of the believer, we have to know and we have to believe because of the other things that the Lord God has said is that suffering is for a purpose and it is ultimately for our good. Amen. And that somehow God can use all the blessings, the things that we look at as blessings in our lives, and the things that we look at as suffering and trials in our lives, and somehow he works all things together for the good who call on his name. Amen? Somehow in God's tapestry, those dark fibers of trial and darkness and fear and anxiety and worry and, and, and suffering and pain go together with those lighter fibers of joy and blessing and laughter in our lives to produce something really beautiful, people who've been changed and redeemed and saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And somehow they all work together for our good. Amen? Now, yeah, this is tough, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you, you don't want to come here and hear, well, God's called you to suffer, right? Okay. Uh, but, but it's true. And, and somehow in the midst of all of it, what, the thing that we know, you know, everyone on the planet suffers, right? Everybody, this is part of the human experience. And this is part of the beauty of the gospel is this, is that right? Um, uh, here several years ago, Brenda went to uh, Women of Faith and, and there was a lady there who had a daughter who, who struggled, who had a daughter who had um, some, some struggle. I can't remember what it was. Mm, I should have th thought about that a little bit. But anyway, um, it'll come to me 20 minutes after I finish today. Uh, but anyway, her daughter struggled. And she talked about her daughter who struggled so much and um, 
And, and her daughter kind of got in where she was kind of moving along with her life. And she said, you know, my daughter has this kind of participatory grace where the Lord's grace for her to get through her struggle is, is significant and it's special and the Lord's strength carries her. But then she said, but as a mom, I needed a different kind of grace. I needed it like an observer. I needed a, I needed a, some, I needed a different kind of grace because, you know, you would, you know, all of us would say, I would rather me struggle than my child, right? We, we would all say that. It is more painful for me to see my child struggle than it is for me to struggle myself. Amen? We're all like that, right? Every one of us would say, you know, I'll, I'll take a bullet. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever. I, I'll take the illness. I'll do whatever if I can protect my child. I would rather suffer because it's more painful to, for, to me to see my child suffer than it is for me to suffer myself. Okay, now get this in the, in, in the context of the gospel. God being totally separate from creation in that he doesn't make it up, but he created it all, sees his children fall into sin and suffer. He sees the world, and it wasn't just that his his people fell into sin, it's that the whole universe was broken and corrupted and darkness fell over all of the universe on the day that Adam and Eve sinned. And the Lord Jesus, like a parent, like a father, looks at his children and he sees them suffering and he says what? I would rather suffer than myself than to see them suffer. And so God knows from the perspective of a parent or a father seeing his creation struggle and suffer because of the brokenness of this fallen world. But he said, but that's not enough. I'd rather suffer myself. And so he sends his son into the world. And so God now knows, right, the observing, loving father kind of suffering that a parent goes through when he sees his parent struggle. And because he sent the Lord Jesus Christ in to actually enter into human suffering, right? Jesus Christ left a place where there was no suffering. There's no sorrow. That's right. That's why we look forward to it in the book of Revelation. No more tears, no more sorrows. It's all gone. The place where Jesus and the Lord God live and the Holy Spirit where they live together, there was none of that except for that fatherly kind of suffering that the, the Lord God faces, that you and I face when we see our children suffer. But that wasn't enough. He wanted his son to be more than that. And so he sent his son into the world and he entered into our suffering in a very real way. Amen? And he knows it now firsthand and he knows the brokenheartedness of a, of a father who sees his child suffer. He knows both. He's experienced both, right? Because he loved us so much. Matter of fact, I've got a slide that says that, don't I? God loved us so much, he sent Jesus into this broken, sinful world to suffer with us and to enter into our suffering. Um, this is, so look with me in, in Hebrews chapter 5. It's going to be on the screen if you don't want to turn, turn there. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, it says this. He's, here the, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the Lord Jesus. Listen to what language he uses. He says, the, the son he was... Son, though he was, I'm sorry, I'll get it in a minute. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Uh, you know, God knows everything. It's not that God didn't have enough information on what the suffering thing was about. He, he knew it all already. But, uh, and, and so he didn't need to learn about suffering from that sense. That's not what this is saying. It's not that he didn't understand it. But Jesus suffered so that he could perfectly sympathize with us and be comfort to us 
in our suffering. See, it, God loved us so much that he knew the suffering full well, and he suffered like a parent suffers, but that wasn't enough. He sent the Lord Jesus Christ that he might suffer himself. Um, and so that, yeah, so for this, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, it says this. The writer of Hebrews is comparing the Lord Jesus to the high priest. You remember the high priest would be that intermediary who would be there at the temple and the people would come to the high priest and they would offer sacrifices there and the high priest was an intermediary between man and God. And though we read a little bit about the, in the New Testament about some of the attitudes of those high priests and they're not exactly the kind of people that you want to bring your troubles to. You know what I'm saying? But he says Jesus is a different kind of high priest. Jesus is a high priest who's who empathizes and sympathizes and understands. So listen, this is, he's going to talk about how Jesus suffered in that he was tempted and trialed whenever he was tempted by Satan. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what's he say there is because, because Jesus suffered in every way, because he was trialed and he was tried and he was tempted, because of that, he stands there at the temple, it, figuratively, he stands there at the temple and we approach him and we say, I'm suffering and I've struggled. He can say, what? I know what you mean. I, I know what you mean. I, I've, I've been tempted also. I've been trialed. I've suffered as well, and I know what you mean. Let me, let me just say this real quickly. When you and I suffer, when you and I struggle, who do we want to come alongside us and talk to us and give us comfort or, or, or help? Is it someone who's never been through anything difficult in their life before? It, do you want to go to the kid, you know, who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth? Is, is, that, the, is that the person you want to come and, and advise you and put his arm around you and say, eh, let me walk with you through this? No. We want the person who's suffered. We want the person who's really gone through the difficulty. We want the person who has experienced the pain and hurt that we experience uh, 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 that we're experiencing at the time. We want that person to come alongside us. And here's the reason why, right? When someone suffers, it deepens them. When someone suffers, it gives them a perspective and an authority to speak on the subject like nobody else, right? We want that kind of person in our corner putting their arm around us and saying, let me walk with you through this difficulty that you're having in your marriage or this difficulty that you're having with your finances, or this difficulty that you're having as you watch your children suffer, or the difficulty that you're having when the loss of your spouse, or the difficulty that you're having in these relationships that are broken over and over again, that's the person we want. Well, the good thing is, is that God provides that in the fellowship of the church. Amen? He provides it in the fellowship of the church. But the other thing is, is that he provides it in the Lord Jesus himself, so that when a Christian suffers, he is never alone. And he's never without someone who can't empathize and sympathize with them for someone to come alongside them and bring them comfort. Now, let me, uh, I, I want to close like this. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man, right? I don't know if you've noticed. I'm a man. I'm really good at compartmentalizing my life, you know? And in the past, especially when I was younger, it was easy for me to take those things that I didn't want to feel or take those things that I didn't want, to, didn't want to face and compartmentalize them and put them away and forget about them and pretend like life was fine, okay? All right? That's one way of dealing with it, but that's not really dealing with it. You get, you get what I'm saying? Here, here's what I would encourage you to do is this. 
in those areas of your life where you're struggling, in those areas of the life where you're suffering, where you're feeling real pain, feel real pain. Let the Lord walk with you through those areas of your lives. Express to him your soul. Express to him your grief. Express to him your brokenheartedness. Because listen, in that there is a healing and a maturity that comes through walking with the Lord Jesus Christ who's gone before us, who's suffered before us, right? It is real easy for us to try to turn off those areas. It's real easy for us to try to turn off those areas of our lives and pretend they didn't happen. But listen, God has a purpose in suffering to bring you a greater depth, to bring you a greater authority and a greater perspective in your life, and to be there for the next person who goes through it. But listen, as long as you avoid it, there's not going to be any deepening. There's not going to be any, any change in perspective for you. There's not going to be any, any change in, 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 in maturity in your life as long as you just want to put it off and not deal with it. Let me encourage you, deal with it. The Lord has provided the resources for you through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered before you and in brothers and sisters around you and maybe a spouse too who can help you walk through those areas with courage and confidence and, and, and expectation to know that somehow the Lord intended this for my good. But don't avoid it. Don't just avoid it. Listen, you, you can have all the courage in the Lord and all the confidence in the Lord that he's going to help you through it. Amen? Amen. I just want, I want to encourage you that way. I, I mean, I know, you know, I'm, I'm saying here today that, that we're all called to suffer, but what I'm not saying is that we're all called to suffer like a bunch of uh, heathens. It's very different for us. We're called to suffer with the God who suffered in our place. We're called to suffer because we have a confidence to know, with a confidence to know that God intends even this for our good. Amen? And in the end, he desires, and of course, we could, I could spend a month just talking about suffering, but uh, I have an amount of time already today. Uh, but in the end, what God wants for us is something better and for us to be a better follower of the Lord Jesus Christ in the end than we are today. And he's got a purpose for your suffering. And you know, the funny thing is that the New Testament all the time says, when you face all kinds of trials, when you face all, the, and it just talks about this variety of all the suffering or variety of all the trials that we face as people and specifically as Christians. Listen, it comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? It, it comes in, in big ways and small ways, and in some ways it comes to people uh, in huge ways. Um, people who really, really suffer. People who suffer worse than, than, than we can even... Um, we can even know. Uh, but let me, let me finish real quick with, this, with a quick story. Uh, gentlemen, um, a gentleman, a young man when he was five years old, I, I can't be down here, uh, a young man when he was five years old, um, his, his mom, his, his, his dad was, uh, flew an airplane, and, and his dad told him all the time, his name was Stephen, or Steve, his dad told him all the time when he was just a young man that his dad uh, was a pilot, and his dad told him, I'm going to teach you to fly one day. And he looked up to his dad so much and loved him so much and thought it was so cool that his dad was a pilot. And, uh, um, and his dad, um, one day his dad was, was going uh, on a trip, and his mom called in, in his bedroom, into her bedroom and was sobbing crying and said, your dad's not coming home. He was killed today, and he's not coming home. And for this little five-year-old to understand or to grasp what that meant was more than his little mind or his emotional you know, capability was, was able to deal with that day. 
And, and all he could say was, but he promised me he would teach me to fly. How is he not coming home? And his mom said, well, he's gone to be with Jesus, and he's not coming home today. Well, it turns out that Steve, his dad was a young man named Nate Saint. Don't know if you know Nate Saint, but Nate Saint was one of the five missionaries who was killed whenever they were trying to reach out to a group of Indians in uh, Ecuador who had never been reached with the gospel before back in 1956. So Steve Saint grew up, and his aunt, who is, um, who is his dad's sister, and Elizabeth Elliot, who is Jim Elliot's wife, went to actually to be with and to meet with this group of Indians, who had, of Aachen Indians, yeah, who had killed their family. And one of the men who was responsible for the death of those five missionaries would become known as the grandfather of Steve Saint's children, yeah? Moved back to the United States to be with them and became a follower, a devout follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Steve Saint speaks today still about the death of his father, but about the great uh, um, awakening that happened in the Aachen Indians because of the suffering that Jim Elliott and Nate Saint, his dad, and three other missionaries spent there in the, in the mountains there in Ecuador. Just incredible, just an amazing story. And to hear him talk and to speak about how the Lord had used his suffering to save a whole group of people is incredible. Yeah, you just don't know what the Lord's doing in suffering. You just don't know. But we can have confidence in his word that he says, for all of these things are for the purpose uh, and for, for the blessing and for the completeness for his people. Amen? Amen. You just don't know what the Lord's doing in suffering. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, this morning, Lord, we all have things in our lives that are nagging and, and, and pain, and, and uh, uh, whether it be in our bodies or whether it be suffering because we've lost someone or, or uh, boy, that, the, 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 just the, the, the seriousness that comes with death and loss and, and how much we, we miss our loved ones, Lord God. Um, and, and we have health issues, and our, our children have problems, and there are money problems and relationship problems all around. And then there's persecution of your people by a, a godless world. And, and Father, boy, what, what do we do except to look to you? You, you are the God who, who suffered like a, like, a, like a father suffers for his children, and his heart is broken because of, of the things that they're going through. But not only that, Lord God, you weren't you were just satisfied with that. You sent your son into the world that he might know suffering firsthand, that he might suffer betrayal, that he might suffer physically, that he might suffer hunger, that he might suffer thirst, uh, that he might suffer ultimately crucifixion and death. Also, that we might be forgiven of our sins and so that we might know a Savior who knows weakness and who knows suffering and who went before us that we might have an example to follow. So, Father, we thank you that you've provided a great high priest who can empathize with us and sympathize with us and knows what it is to be in the weakness of a, of a human, the weakness of a man, and struggle and yet not sin. So, Lord Jesus, we look to you and we ask for your help. Father, and just as we read this morning, I pray that you would carry us, that you would bear us, Lord God, that you would sustain us and strengthen us and rescue us, Lord God, in our struggle. And may we look to you, Lord God, as a suffering servant, the one who suffered for us, that we might be forgiven of our sins and that we might be carried along when we suffer. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for providing all of this for us, for your people, and for not abandoning us or forsaking us, but even in the midst of our troubles, to provide for us the Lord Jesus Christ as our comforter and our counselor. It's in his great name that we pray. Amen. 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 Lord bless you. Thank you for being here this week. Love you guys.